Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, you made it to the last workday of the week. Good for you. Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, just after 3 o'clock. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey for a little while this afternoon. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Haydad is in Starkville until tomorrow. He's going to scoot over to Auburn for Mississippi State's basketball game. Rippy is on the road to Fayetteville. He will be there for uh, Ole Miss's game tomorrow against Arkansas. I'm actually calling that game. And Michael Borky is uh, in Jackson for a little while longer before he gets on the road this weekend as well. He's not calling any games or covering any games, just going to go off and play somewhere. What's up, my man? Yeah, I, nobody has asked me to do play-by-play work just yet, even though that's something I'm kind of interested in. Maybe not for television. I don't know if I could keep up the appearances for that, but like high school football or something on a Friday night, I'd love to do that. But otherwise, I think, I'll, I think I'll avoid embarrassing myself in front of a camera. Well, you know, like anything in life, it uh, you get better the more you do it, hopefully. <laughs> I hope that's the case. I hope you don't go backwards uh, at that point. Hey, the C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. That's one way you can connect with the show. You can also connect with us on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Hey, Dad, what's up? Happy Friday. To you too, my friend. And, uh, yeah. It's weird not having anything to do today as far as, like, covering sports. It's, it seems like I've been doing something every day this week, and uh, this will be the one day of the week I don't have much going on. So, let's see, last weekend was crazy because you had um, basketball and baseball on Saturday after having baseball on Friday, and then you had women's basketball on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You had a men's basketball game on Tuesday night? And a baseball game. right? And a baseball game. And a baseball game on Tuesday, and a baseball game on Wednesday, and a women's basketball game last night, yeah. final home game of the uh, regular season, and Mississippi State is now combined to beat LSU by almost sixty in two games this year. Yeah, yeah, that that you know that's that's nearly the uh, amount they used to beat Mississippi State by in football every year. So you know we're we're, we're trying to get some revenge there. <laughs> You're returning the favor some, via somehow, women's basketball. Get, get what you can. Uh, quick thought on that game last night. Uh, home regular season finale. Mississippi State certainly will be hosting an NCAA regional uh, in women's basketball. So uh, they'll have four teams in Starkville coming up here in uh, in a couple of weeks. But um, how is this team? I mean, obviously, on top of the SEC standings, they clinched a share of the SEC last night. They could win it outright uh, with victory on Sunday in 
Columbia against South Carolina, who's, I guess, the second-best team uh, in the league. What kind of shape is Mississippi State in right now as you look at them kind of big picture? They're in good shape. They're in good shape. They're they're playing well. they're playing with the, the level of interest that, that Vic Schaefer likes. He always talks about, you know, when my team is interested, that's when I, I know they can, they can, you know, win a championship. And I think in the last couple of games, you've sort of seen that. They forced 28 LSU turnovers last night, and that had Vic Schaefer very, very excited. McCowan was her normal dominant self. And in a game where Andrea Howard wasn't, you know, great, she fouled out with eight minutes left to go in the, uh, the fourth quarter with only ten points. Uh, Jordan Danbury stepped up. Jazz Holmes was in double digits. Which is you know something that doesn't normally happen, uh, and and they play pretty well. Uh, I think this team is you know I don't know peaking's not the right word for a team that's twenty four and two. They've sort of been peaking the whole year, but they're playing good <laughs> basketball right now, and they know they've got a tough battle coming Sunday. Uh, but they 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 said it best that we don't want to share. They want to win the SEC championship outright. So we'll see what happens Sunday afternoon uh, in Columbia. And, and there's not a lot of love lost between those two teams, is there? No, no. That, this is this is a, you know, we always talk about the state old Miss rivalry, and there, you know, is it too personal or to use the word that some people use it too toxic? This is a this is a rivalry that's based off of competition. State and South Carolina, they don't like each other, but they respect each other, uh, and then they, they've dominated the conference and sort of dominated women's college basketball for the past couple of seasons. And so, yeah, I think this is a uh, – there's definitely no love loss between either one of these teams, but at the same time, I think it's a, a healthy rivalry. And obviously the SEC sees it that way because they, they scheduled it. You know, they, they scheduled this game thinking probably got a good chance for this to be the deciding game in the conference race. Just a, a quick thought with regard to who Mississippi State played last night playing LSU. I think I've only done two women's college basketball games this year on the the SEC Plus uh, online. One of them was a non-conference game. The other was Ole Miss against LSU. And I walked away. LSU won the game, but I walked away going, they are just dreadful offensively. They're not great. Pretty good defensively. Offensively, it was hard to watch. Yeah, they're not not a very good team. They they just aren't. And uh, Mississippi State made them pay 28 turnovers. Wow, 28 turnovers in the ballgame. Got a lot going on this weekend, and frankly, some of it is going to be compacted because of the threat of bad weather on Sunday. Mississippi State hopefully is not going to have to deal with weather, but they may on uh, on Sunday in the, uh, the third game of the Frisco Classic. Mississippi State playing Sam Houston State this afternoon. Tomorrow night they will meet Texas Tech, and then on Sunday they are scheduled to play, for whatever reason I cannot make myself remember the third team that they're playing. Nebraska. But I know you know. Nebraska. Nebraska. That's it. it. I keep thinking it's Texas teams, and then Nebraska doesn't fit the mold. So those are the three that Mississippi State is scheduled to play uh, this weekend. Uh, first pitch for their game against Sam Houston State coming up in just a little while. Oh, it's we'll on. keep you it's updated right with uh, – Okay, well, it just happened. I couldn't remember, yeah, they're in the remember top of the if it was a 4 o'clock start game. or a 3 o'clock start. Yeah. Okay. So scoreless top of the second. We'll keep you up to that one, uh, up to date with that one, as uh, as it happens. Ole Miss hosting Long Beach State tonight, six thirty first pitch for that game at Swayze Field. Rebels were on the road last weekend against Tulane. Uh, they are going to play a doubleheader tomorrow. Originally, we're uh, scheduled to play on Sunday, game three of the series, but there is a one hundred percent chance of rain according to the uh, the forecast, and so they have moved Sunday's game up and will play a doubleheader. Tomorrow, so long day of baseball tomorrow at Swayze Field. I think it's going to be cloudy, but not miserable from a, a temperature standpoint. Maybe upper fifties 
so hopefully be able to get both of those in. Um, Mississippi State at Auburn tomorrow afternoon, a 3 o'clock tip-off on, uh, on the SEC Network for that game. And frankly, it's a game that means a whole lot more for Auburn than it does for Mississippi State. Yeah. Is, do you think Auburn is on the bubble? Are they a bubble team or are they comfortably in? Their metrics are too good to be a bubble team. Yeah, their, their net's really good. And I looked at their schedule, and I guess it's just because they have they don't have quadrant one wins, but they have some quadrant two wins, and they don't really have a bad loss. The, the South Carolina is their worst loss, and they share that with Mississippi State. So despite the fact that they haven't been all that impressive this year, I guess they're in. But for Auburn, yeah, I mean, right now, what are they, an eight seed, maybe a nine seed? They, they definitely, they're going to end up playing you know, a team like Duke or Gonzaga in the first round. They don't want, they don't want that. So, yeah, this is a big game for Auburn, especially from a confidence standpoint. But I would argue that it's, it's pretty big for Mississippi State. They want to keep this momentum going. They're on a five-game winning streak. They know they're going to Tennessee on, on Tuesday, or, or I think it's Tuesday next week. Um, so yeah, they don't they don't want to endure a two game losing streak, and that's you know they're going to be they're not going to be the favorite against Tennessee. So you know they want to keep that going. So I, I think it's an equally big game for both teams, but I do see why Auburn might have a little bit more of what you guys I wasn't on the show when I talked about, it, but have to have it versus must win. That might be where Auburn is right now. Yeah, in the the net rankings, Auburn is what top. 25 right now they are at um you've got it in here somewhere borky i just don't have it or maybe maybe that was yesterday but in good shape and ken palm has auburn right now at number 16 in the country they're 19 and 9 overall and your point about lack of quad one wins versus quad two wins is a uh, is a good one. They had a good early season win against washington way back in early november washington uh, that's their top 50 you think so what else? What else could it be? They didn't beat LSU. They haven't beaten Kentucky. They yeah. didn't beat Mississippi State. They didn't beat Ole Miss. You're gonna think I'm crazy. The okay. um, the win against Dayton, who is that's a good win. A bubble team is a good win for them. Um, yeah, but I mean that's at home. That that the, the Washington win to me is better. That was also a home game. I know, but well, they Washington's lost a, a better team. previously winless in the Big Twelve or in the Pac Twelve Cal last night. Ooh. The Pac-12, man, that is just a dumpster fire this year. I would submit to you and would not have agreed, you probably wouldn't have agreed with this earlier in the year, but at this point, their best win is Florida. Yeah, I mean. Because Florida's Florida's gotten better and better and better. Florida's coming on right now. We we, we talked about them. Florida's not even a bubble team at this point. They are securely in the The analytics have loved them, and now they've found some wins. We'll see if they can close out strong. Auburn did play a pretty good non-conference schedule, though. They had a game against they Washington. They played Xavier. They lost to Duke in a close game out in uh, in Maui. They beat Arizona. They've got a win against Dayton. Uh, they got a loss to NC State. That was a road game, though, so probably not one that hurts them there. It's just been in league play where they have uh, not been as good as we thought, sitting at 8-7 and seven right now with games remaining against Mississippi State, Alabama, and Tennessee. Not an easy closing stretch for an Auburn team that has been uh, kind of up and down throughout the course of the season. Some interesting NCAA stuff to get to. We'll get to bracketology this afternoon. Johnny Manziel possibly going to be in the AAF. We'll see. Plus some rules changes that are kind of silly-seeming in college football. Rippy will join us next on the Farm Bureau phone line in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you Friday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippy. I don't know that I can speak for Borky in this, so it's it's just a guess. 
But my guess is, and uh, I think Brian Scott Rippey will appreciate this, as he joins us on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. I don't know if any of the four of us, other than me, can say that on multiple occasions on the golf course, they have outdriven a guy who is currently in the lead of a PGA event. Anybody? Can anybody else say that? Probably I not. Anybody. Uh, I've yeah. never outdriven anyone. Well, I, I was going to Borky. I figured was the only one that was uh, was possibly in that category. So Sung J M is in the lead of the Honda Classic. He shot a six under sixty six, I guess, in the uh, the second round of the Honda Classic. Rippy and I played in um, a Web dot com tour pro am that was uh, in Oxford last year, and Sung J M was the leading money winner on the tour. And Rippy, can you testify? I outdrove him twice. You did, and I taught him how to chip. <laughs> well, in in the uh, in the the drive for show putt for dough win with uh, your short game parlance that probably matters a whole lot more. Uh, but I will forever I have it etched into my memory the drive that I hit on eighteen. He was standing behind me, and when I hit it, he went. Mm. <laughs> that I was wearing that as a badge of honor. He should have gotten him to sign the ball. Yeah, I probably should have. I don't think he would have been interested in doing that though. Nice enough guy. Just didn't say a whole lot to us. Maybe because he didn't speak English. That's probably a pretty big part of it. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly could be a part of it. Uh, so Rippy is on the road to uh, to Fayetteville. We're going to talk some uh, baseball with him right now, though. Uh, maybe get into some basketball as well. Ole Miss hosting Long Beach State this weekend. And that is a program that you traditionally think of, oh, pretty good baseball program. Two years ago, they were in a super regional. They got that uh, that dirt bags moniker, play hard, West Coast style. They pitch it pretty well. They are 0-7 coming, uh, coming into this weekend. And only four players on the entire roster have a batting average over 200. What do we need to know about Long Beach State for this weekend, Rip? I think you pretty much just described everything you need to know. I mean, it's the West Coast style. They pitch and play defense, but the problem is, is they don't they don't hit at all. I think they've scored, I believe, I, I don't have it in front of me, I have it on my computer, but 10 runs in seven games, which, if you're a math guy, that's a little over a run a game, which is probably not going to get it done. So they pitch it okay. They're actually really good on the mound. They have a, a four or five guys with some pretty good arm talent, and they play defense pretty well, but they just can't hit the ball. And so you would think this is kind of a get-right weekend for Ole Miss on the mound. And when I say that, it's pretty much everything after Will Etheridge, what does Saturday and Sunday look like? And this would be as good as an opportunity as ever to try to kind of rectify some of the struggles they've had behind them. If Ole Miss does not pitch it well, and I know this is only week three of the season, do you begin to, if not actually press it, start looking for the panic button a little bit with regard to the pitching, or is the offense good enough that you just aren't going to panic based on pitching? I'm not sure if it's a panic button or as much as it is a make drastic changes type button. That may be one and of the same thing. So the offense is going to mask a lot of blemishes on the pitching staff. But the bullpen, outside of one outing where the wind was blowing 30 miles an hour at Tulane, they've been pretty good. 
in in the bullpen. And they have four or five options, and you could maybe even go beyond that, that I think Mike Bianco really has a great deal of trust in at pretty much any time in a game. And so it's really the starting pitching. And, and to answer the question directly, I do think you begin to seriously look at it as a pretty significant problem if the latter two slots in the rotation struggle for a third consecutive weekend, because then you're only looking at one more weekend to rectify it before you're playing SEC games. All right, let's play it the other way, and I'm not trying to make it a negative-negative here. Let's say that the Ole Miss pitching staff, the, the starters, and it's going to be Will Etheridge in Game 1, Zach Phillips in Game 2, and Gunnar Hoagland in Game 3. Let's say all three of those guys go out and pitch really well th- this weekend. Do you make anything of that considering the ineptitude of Long Beach State's offense? I think it would depend on how it looks. Like, what does the stuff look like? What does the velocity look like, particularly with Phillips? And with Hoagland, kind of what is, how does he pitch the guys? Because his problem is, is he leaves fastballs over the plate too often. He doesn't. He hasn't necessarily learned how to pitch the guys yet versus throw. And I think he'll, Hoagland will eventually end up figuring it out. I, I think he's going to learn in time how to pitch to college hitters because the stuff is there, the velocity is there. He'll learn and kind of learn on the fly and give them a chance on Sunday. It's really Saturday that the team really needs to shore up and shore up quickly. So if they do pitch well, it at least gives you a reason to keep things intact heading into the next weekend. And then hopefully something they can build on, if nothing else, from a confidence standpoint, because I think that's important to look at here, too. Brian Scott Rippey on the Farm Bureau phone line at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon. Let's switch gears for a second while we've got you just for a couple more minutes, Rippey. Basketball, Ole Miss at Arkansas tomorrow. Rebels had their biggest win in terms of margin of victory in SEC play this year against Arkansas. Beat them by 17 uh, in Oxford. Probably the best game that Dominic Oladicek has played this season. Interestingly enough, that came against uh, a guy who could be a lottery pick uh, on the other side in, in Daniel Gafford. What do you look at in this game with Arkansas tomorrow? What's the most important thing for Ole Miss? How big is this game? Um, it is, I mean, it's probably the biggest game they've played this season. And I know that's a subjective declaration, but if you look at it, you, you, you know, the idea the whole time has been that 10 wins is going to get them in the NCAA tournament without much worry. And if they go on the road and lose this, you're now going into the last week of the season needing either to beat Kentucky at home or go and win in Columbia, Missouri on senior duty, which Missouri not very good, but they don't quit, and that you really wanted to come down to the last game of the season. And as far as tomorrow's game in and of itself, I think it's the same thing. Ole Miss really shut down Daniel Gafford the first time they played. He only took six shots, and I can't remember if he had nine or eleven points or something like that. Only took six shots, and he was really a non-factor. I don't think they're going to be able to do that to that degree again, particularly given the way Gafford played against Kentucky and with the way he's been playing lately, despite the team struggling. But like, if Gafford goes for the double double, is it fifteen and ten or is it twenty-eight and fifteen? Because I think that'll make a pretty big difference in the outcome. 
Yeah, in the first uh, first meeting, ten points for, or excuse me, ten rebounds for Daniel Gafford, but none of them were on the offensive end. All ten of his rebounds were defensive rebounds in the uh, in the first meeting. Hey, Dad, I feel like I got to bring you into this because Rippy uh, was not born yet, and Borky is not old enough to remember the nineteen ninety four Arkansas team. Twenty five oh, yeah. years ago, the uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks won a national championship. I vividly remember that team. It was Scotty Thurman, it was Corliss Williamson, it was Alex Dillard, uh, Corey Beck. Some of those names ring a bell. They are celebrating that team. So they're like doing the big reunion weekend and celebrating that 1994 national championship team tomorrow at Bud Walton. Do you remember just how much fun that group was to watch? Yeah, they were really, really good. And they had great inside-outside play. Like so Corliss Williamson was just a dominant old-school post player, but Scotty Thurman, he and uh, remember Alec Dillard. Yes, he he yeah. was their sixth guy off the bench. Like, and I'm telling the, you, the, the the phrase he was in three point range when he got off the bus. That that's what they everybody said about him. I remember him hitting a uh, state used to have a, a logo of the hump about five feet outside the three point line, and I saw him hit one from there. Uh, so I mean, the guy was just unbelievable. Just a really really solid basketball team. And, of course, uh, Nolan Richardson, one of the great coaches of his time, and that 40 minutes of hell defense, I mean, they, they really, really bought into that philosophy and made life miserable for their opponents. You, you know the thing about Alex Dillard and the way that he shot it for Arkansas? Um, he was kind of ahead of his time. Yeah. Because it's not crazy at all to see guys shoot deep threes. The three-point line was shorter in 1994. It kind of came off right off the top of the key. It wasn't the extended three-point line. And so he stretched it out beyond what the NBA line was. You see guys do that all the time in college yeah. basketball now. Yeah, it, it, he was – you talk about being – yeah, ahead of his time is the right term. I mean, he does something that you see at every every game now. I mean, Steph Curry has sort of led that that charge of, you know, taking these ridiculous, ridiculously long three-point shots. But guys are making those shots with a higher frequency. But he used to make them all the time, and he was a dangerous, dangerous player. Those, that was a good basketball team. Hey, Rippy, last thing for you. In two games at Bud Walton, Terrence Davis has averaged 27. He had 24 as a soft 30 last year. Over or under 27 points tomorrow for Terrence Davis against Arkansas? I will go under. Um, I think he'll score it. I think he'll do well, but I don't. He hasn't really needed to score that many points considering the other options they have on the perimeter. And I think they would trade that again for really good defensive tonight. So I'll go slightly under that. Yeah, and you, you said earlier this week that Kermit Davis would rather have him playing elite defense on the perimeter, which he did against Tennessee. It just wasn't quite enough. All right, Rippy, safe travels on the road. We will catch up with you uh, on Monday. Sounds good, Tim. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. land financing needs if you're in north mississippi the mississippi land bank is where you should at least go and talk to them before you purchase land or before you buy equipment or before you refinance an existing loan or before you get a crop loan if you're a farmer at mississippi land bank they've been financing land for over 100 years it's what they do it's what they know and they are people that you can trust they are people that you will want to do 
business with. They've got plenty of different products to help you get whatever it is done financially that you need to get done at Mississippi Land Bank. They know the lay of the land. MSLandBank.com. That's Mississippi Land Bank, the presenting sponsor of Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad to be with you on this Friday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad for the rest of the way. Rippy is on the road to Fayetteville. Haydad will be on the road to Auburn tomorrow, where Mississippi State and Auburn will meet at 3 o'clock on the SEC Network. We're going to get into that matchup. We're going to get into the rest of the SEC coming up in a little bit. But let's start with a uh, kind of a bigger story today involving NCAA basketball and the uh, the FBI. Borky, bring us up to speed on this report from USA Today. Yeah, so it came out this morning that the NCAA has, they, they called it intervened, which I guess is the word that they have to use, but they didn't intervene in the FBI's investigation. What they did was filed an intervention in the Southern District of New York to get select documents and information from the trials that Uh, led to convictions back in October. 24 different exhibits from that case, as well as a unredacted document. Uh, They are looking for most of them directly involving Louisville and the recruitment of a uh, a specific player that was going to go to Louisville and ended up not going there. So 24 exhibits from that conviction, and they they made a point to say that it wasn't everything. They're not seeking all of the documentation and all of the evidence, just 24 exhibits, most of which directly tied to Louisville. But it does tell you that the NCAA is now gathering the evidence that was gathered by the FBI to launch an investigation of their own. I can't help but wonder if the NCAA has communicated with the FBI and has been instructed that, okay, th- this is the way that you're going to get the information from us. We're not just going to hand it over to you. You're going to have to file and have it go before a judge, you know, what, what you want. We're not just going to hand you the entire case file because there's stuff in there that you have no need for, no right to. Yeah, we didn't, do, so, we didn't do our work for you is what it feels like they would say to them. Sure. But the NCAA could probably argue in court that it does have, uh, or, you know, deserves, has a right to access to certain parts of the file. My guess is the reason that they focused just on Louisville for now is because that case has already gone to trial and it's been settled, right? Right, so this is only in relation to the trial that's been done, and that's why they're arguing to the state of New York that that information should become public or at least be accessible by somebody other than the FBI and the attorneys involved because there that case happened, there was a conviction, uh, what was there, three convictions in that case, and so now they think is the good time for them to get that information because the FBI doesn't need it anymore. So when... Will Wade and Sean Miller and others uh, do this thing in April. When that ends, you would presume that the NCAA would come back and do the same thing then. Seems to make sense. Does that make sense to you, Hey Dad? It does. It does. And it, it, 
You know, I remember when we were when this first this first popped up, Borky. You and I were pretty adamant, like, ah, oh, nothing's going to come of this. Nothing's going to come of this. And now it's looking like something may actually come of it. And which I'm, I'm I'm really surprised by, I guess. But at the same time, with the NCAA, I mean, I, I guess I'm not surprised that I won't be surprised that at the end of this, if nothing, you know, they have an investigation and nothing happens at the end of it. Yeah, but my my question is though, why would you not want everything? Because the number of schools and the number of players that currently play or formerly played at Division One schools that were brought up in the previous trial back in October that led to a conviction, there was documents, there was financial records, there was phone calls, there was everything. I'm talking dozens of players in multiple schools, and the NCAA is only trying to get information on one of them. Why are they well, not asking for everything? Uh, again, I would think it's because they don't believe they can get everything. That they can go with a more limited scope and get the information that they need, and then they can go back and request information that they need for additional cases. That would be my guess. I'm certainly not a legal expert. I'm certainly not an NCAA legal expert. But that's just kind of at first glance what what makes sense to me. Guys, as, as this basketball season has gone along, and yeah, you know, this year's been a little bit different for me for a, from a television standpoint. In the past, I've done mostly SEC stuff and then had like a couple of other games, you know, that have just kind of been random, like a Memphis game because it's closed or something like that. I've done more games in different places this year, like, you know, whether it was in the Big 12 or the American Conference, but in different parts of the American Conference, and then certainly a bunch of SEC stuff. It's been interesting to me that coaches have been more willing to talk about the FBI investigation this season than maybe in the past. Certainly more so than a year ago when nobody really knew what was going on. It was like everybody was talking in code. But also in the past, you know, you it's like NCAA stuff wouldn't really come up in conversation. But what's been most fascinating to me is the number of coaches that I've talked to who have said, man, I'm glad this is happening. And I think that's, to, to me, you, you tell me if you, you think this is, I'm being naive. That says to me that not everybody in college basketball is cheating, or at least is not cheating at a really high level. Yeah. Probably everybody to some degree is doing some stuff. But there are coaches out there who are trying to, at least for the most part, do it the right way. Yeah. And they just want to play on somewhat of a more level playing field especially because of what the shoe companies were doing. So I, I'm with you. I think every if you play major color, college athletics, you have players on your roster that are that either have received, are receiving, or will receive impermissible benefits. It happens everywhere. Small scale, large scale, it happens everywhere. But how many schools do shoe companies really want to steer players to? Adidas and Nike and... I guess Under Armour's getting into the fold now as well. There's only well, so many of these blue blood programs that can get these type of players that they want to get in on the ground floor with. So if you're a Borky, coach... I, I think maybe you're asking the wrong question, though. I, I think the question is not how many schools do the shoe companies want to steer players to. It's how many players yeah. do the shoe companies actually want to steer somewhere, period. Which is just a handful a year, really. How many? 10, 12, 
Maybe a yeah. little. Well, the document showed people like players that I've never heard of that went to Xavier, for example. So, yeah, no more than 30. I don't think the number's that high. I mean, maybe it is. Yeah, maybe it is. I don't think it's that high. Well, guys, there was more than that in players that showed up in these documents. No, I understand that. But but I'm talking about le- when you're talking about a DeAndre Ayton where six figures was exchanged. I'm not necessarily talking about a guy where you got five or ten thousand dollars and okay. some apartment stays and guys. whatever. I'm talking about real money, a dozen at most. Hey, Dad, does what I said a second ago does that make sense to you? That 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 I think the question is probably how many players there are, and that's why we may feel like oh, college basketball is corrupt all over the place. But the reason that the scope and, and maybe the, the teams that we've heard come up is not as many as you might think because there just aren't that many players that are commanding that kind of money? That's probably a, a big part of it, I would agree. You know, the, the, the top dogs of, of each class, yeah, they're probably being steered or, or being pushed wherever shoe companies want them to. But, I mean, you think about, like, I mean, 24-7, right? They rank 247 kids. After you get after, like, the top 20 I mean, those guys. I mean, are they getting impermissible, impermissible benefits from the schools themselves, from the boosters and things like that? Yeah, probably so. But as far as of a, a widespread amount of corruption from the shoe companies and the AAU and things like that, yeah, you're probably not getting the average, you know, mid four star kid getting involved with that. Yeah, and, and I think that that's maybe a delineation that we've not made before that, that we probably should have as we kind of go forward with this conversation. Are the top 150, top 200 guys, maybe 75% of those guys getting something? Of course they are. But where is that something coming from? It's coming from nah, maybe some runners, some boosters. In some cases, I believe this to be true, you actually have coaches that are paying out of their own pockets. Not a bunch, but a few. But the big money where shoe companies are steering kids to certain schools because they want to protect relationships for when those guys inevitably get to the NBA, I think that's a much smaller number. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Hey, hey, Dad. Hey, Richard. I got something I've never seen before. I think Borky will like this. All right. I'm, I'm sitting in my hotel room in Fayetteville, and the uh, the hotel that I'm staying in is pet-friendly. Okay. I've got like one of these little plastic triangle things on the uh, on the desktop in here, and it's got like a a menu on one side, and you know you can get complimentary stuff. And then when I, I'm spinning it around, the head on it is Canine Cuisine, huh? Doggy Room Service. By the way, a service charge of eighteen percent plus a two dollar delivery charge applies. <laughs> you can get a cup of plain kibble dog food for two dollars and fifty cents. You can get the hot diggity dog, a quarter pound all beef hot dog for four dollars. The quarter hounder, a quarter pound burger patty for four bucks. The quarter hounder, that's hilarious. The hen house, it's a grilled chicken breast for four bucks. <laughs> or you can get the top dog, a grilled strip steak for your dog for twelve dollars. 
Borky, this is, is actual... this is the way you need to go on the whole eating the dog food thing. I mean, outside the cup <laughs> no. of plain kibble, no. I mean, you get a hot no. dog, a, a, quarter ha- a quarter hounder, a hen house, or a top dog. Can we make him a hamburger patty out of cooked Alpo? I think so. the people will feel cheated if yeah, that's the, the route that. we go. But, man, I, I love my dogs. I I love my dogs as much as everybody listening loves their dogs. Nobody loves their dogs more than I love my dogs. But the people that will go through Starbucks and spend money on a cup full of whipped cream so their dog can lick it and that kind of stuff, I don't understand that. Their dogs... Do what? They're, they call it a puppuccino. It's like people will buy it at Starbucks. I'll Google the price. It's probably not all that much, but... A puppuccino. That's what they call it. How I did swear. I not know this exists? Not, not, I, and when I say, how do I not know this existed, I, I don't mean so that I can get no, it for one of our dogs. They, they don't I mean them. so that I can laugh at it. Yeah, they, they don't charge for them, actually. But they're, they're like that, that food menu. People will bring their dogs to their hotel. I've done that before on road trips and stuff, stopped at a, at a pet-friendly hotel. But... I'm not ordering a steak for my dog. He eats hard food every day, and he's pumped up about it every time I give it to him. So why would I spend any kind of money on something else? I stayed in a pet-friendly uh, room one time, but I didn't have a pet. I just got there, and they're like, we booked you in a pet-friendly room. Is that a problem? And I was like, is there anything well, different Was there about dog it? hair on the pillow? <laughs> no, there wasn't. The, 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 the tub and the shower had like a spot where you could sit while washing your dog. Other than that, it was a totally normal hotel room. Hmm. Um, question on the uh, C Spire text line. When it comes to Ole Miss, the NCAA thinks $12,000 is real money. <laughs> yeah. Well played. And there, well, I mean, well played. Maybe not when the FBI is involved, but when it's just the NCAA, maybe so. I don't want to go all conspiracy. I still don't think, even though that they are inquiring, I think it's they are going to do just enough to give the illusion that they're tackling yeah. the biggest issues in college basketball. They don't even have the manpower. If the desire existed, which it doesn't, because the basketball tournament makes $1 billion a year for them, they don't have the manpower to take down every program and investigate every player that's been involved with this thing anyway. Even with the FBI handing them over all the evidence that they could possibly need, I'd rather talk about canine cuisine and hotels than the NCAA <laughs> on this Friday afternoon. Yeah, me and you both. It just hey, uh, I, I, let me give you the games. You guys give me winners. No spreads, just outright winners because that's what really matters this time of year. LSU at Alabama. Can Bama pull off a much needed upset that would be massive for their resume? They're didn't back on the bubble, say, by the way. Alabama's we'll on the right side of the bubble. Waters, didn't Will Wade say Tremont Waters is going to play this week? They said it was more likely. That's yeah, I, an I'm interesting... I, I want to see Tremont Waters suit up and play tomorrow. Not Will Wade tell me it's likely that he's going to play. I actually reached out to some LSU people to find out if there was anything more to that. And... I don't think there's necessarily anything more to it, like off the court, but maybe illness was not exactly the term that should have been used. Maybe it was more like precautionary stuff for an injury that they don't want to talk about. Okay. Well, regardless of that, I would take LSU, but it would be a lot more comfortable for them if they, uh, 
if they had waters. All right. Ole Miss at Arkansas. Take the Rebels. Borky? Yeah, I, I, for some reason I have a feeling that they're going to take what happened this week and not let it beat them twice. It doesn't seem like that team has that kind of mental makeup. So I, especially with you don't know what kind of Arkansas you're going to get in a dead atmosphere, they may have laid down and quit after the disappointment with Kentucky. So, yeah, I'll, I like Ole Miss there. Um, let's skip over this one. We'll come back to it. South Carolina at Missouri. Guys, I, I think South Carolina makes one last charge. I don't know that they're going to get to the NCAA tournament. But I think Frank will have those guys ready to go, and they win their last three in the regular season to get to 12-6 and six, and most likely get the four seed. I don't know if they'll make a charge or not, but they'll win this game. Missouri is just not any good. So give me the, uh, give me the Gamecocks. Borky? Yeah, and I'll set the over-under at 500 people that actually watch this game. <laughs> that are not related, Maybe. non-family. Yeah, the, the first time yeah. these two teams met, they uh, they ended up playing on Sunday afternoon after Missouri couldn't get out of Columbia because of That's the right. snow and you ice. You were there for that, right? I was. I got to stay an extra day in uh, lovely South Carolina for that. At least Missouri has uh, baseball to look forward to. Do what? It's called sarcasm, man. Not this weekend they don't. It's going to be like I'm getting out of Fayetteville just in time. Apparently the weather comes in tomorrow night, and they're expecting snow and ice uh, in like all over the country. Um, Mississippi State at Auburn. What do you think, Borky? Um, I'm not quite sure yet. I, I think at some point, the seven-man rotation for Mississippi State will catch up to them. Somebody will get in foul trouble, or it'll be a tight game late, and just the depth will wear on them. I don't think it happens this week, though. They're playing too good right now, even with that seven-man rotation. And Auburn, like you guys said at the top, their metrics are good, but the team does not pass the eye test at all. And so I'll take the team that's hotter, even with the lacking depth in their rotation on the road. Hey, Dad, you know the interesting thing about this? Uh, in their game at Georgia, Auburn played without Malik Dunbar and without Austin Wiley. Yeah. Have you heard an update yet or a projection as to whether or not either or both of those guys play? I heard that uh, – I read that Wiley is doubtful and they don't really have an update on Dunbar. Hmm. See, I think that makes a big difference from a matchup standpoint because oh, yeah. without without those two guys in there, they are really, really limited in the post. Yeah, you mentioned and if, Reggie Perry will have a big day if, if those two guys can't play. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly yeah. what I was about to say. Yeah, and, and um, that looks like that's going to be the case. So I took the Bulldogs on the Thunder and Lightning podcast, so I'll take them here on Sports Talk Mississippi. You know, I'd love to know for sure about Wiley and and Dunbar and whether or not they play for Auburn. My gut is to lean Auburn in this Mm -hmm. just because I think they're really good at home and I think Bryce Brown and Jared Harper are dangerous and Okiki is is kind of a matchup problem. But, man, if, if if I actually go Auburn, it is the slightest of leans because, one, I think Mississippi State's playing well, and two... You know, if both teams are going with the seven-man rotation, I probably like Mississippi State's seven-man rotation a little bit better. I think State's just better than Auburn. 
I think they, they, they just think they are. And when both, I guess Auburn wasn't at full strength when they played in Starkville, but State was not playing well early in the season, and that game was sort of their first really big win. I mean, they had beaten Florida and Vanderbilt in conference play, but Auburn was a game that a lot of people thought they were going to lose, and they won it. And I, I, I think they're going to go over there and get the win. Vanderbilt is at Texas A&M. There are three opportunities remaining for Vanderbilt not to wear the collar for the entire season. They're sitting at 0-15 in the league. A&M's been playing a little bit better. We've talked about that some this week. Can Vandy finally get in the win column or not so much? Well, they're tanking to improve their draft status. So I... I... (laughs) (laughs) They get the first Darius Garland is not walking through that door. No, I, g- give me the Aggies. Yeah, they're a quadrant right. one. What about Georgia, now? Florida? Florida. Yeah, Georgia's in a bad place. Yeah, and and snake bitten too, like finding ways to lose games. I just don't think their guard play is good enough to handle Florida's defense. Florida's so good defensively, and Georgia struggles, especially at the point guard spot. Uh, I don't know that this is a high scoring game. But I think Florida gets the win. We'll circle back to the big one that happens in Knoxville when we come back with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Ethan Small is working in the top of the sixth inning. He's got six strikeouts in the ball game. Sam Houston State, though, has just gotten on the board two to one. Mississippi State leading over Sam Houston State. Bulldogs got a couple of runs in the fourth inning. Hey, Dad, I hadn't checked on it a little in a little while. How did they get their uh, their runs? Uh, lead-off single from Tanner Allen, RBI double from Justin. I'm sorry, from Elijah McNamee. Then an RBI single from Justin Foscue, who has just been hitting really, really well since the start of the season. All right, so Small has given up three hits and has struck out six. And am I looking at that right? I, I, the live stats don't seem to do it. Two to one now. Is that right? Two to one. Two to one. Mississippi State in the bottom of six. Okay, so State's now batting in the uh, the bottom. I'm sorry. No, no, never mind. Top of six. Yeah, still in the top of the sixth inning. Okay. So we were walking through the uh, the games in the SEC. I purposely skipped over one of them because figured we would talk a, a little while longer about it. Kentucky at Tennessee. Kentucky won round one. It really it wasn't all that close two weeks ago. In, uh, in Lexington. The buildup for this one is big. These two teams are uh, two of the three that are tied for first place in the SEC along with LSU. What do you think, boys? Kentucky in Knoxville against the Tennessee Vols. Well, I already told you. I thought I think that Kentucky's going to win this basketball game. Uh, I think Tennessee I know, is reeling but I wanted bit. you to say it again and give me some reasons why. Play I think along Tennessee here. Is reeling a little bit. You know, they're they have they've shown some cracks in the armor, and uh, they just they just don't look like that same dominant team. You know, they they lost badly to Kentucky. They lose to LSU. They have to scramble and struggle to the very end to beat Ole Miss. I just don't think they're playing at a really high level right now. And on the upside side of that coin, Kentucky is. Kentucky has been playing really really good, and I I see that continuing. So I, I think that Kentucky Kentucky's a team that. No road environment's going to phase them. They're going to go down there ready to play. I will take uh, Kentucky to win this game. Tennessee overall 25-3. and Their losses are to Kansas in overtime in November, to LSU and on the road to Kentucky. 
Kentucky is 24 and 4. Their losses are to Duke in the season opener. They lost to Kansas at Rupp. And then their two SEC losses are to LSU at home and SEC opener at Alabama. Yep. Which is still a little baffling. That's the crazy. Uh, that's LSU. one of the craziest results of the season when you look at it in total. Yeah, LSU. Let's see. They lost two games in November in that tournament down in um, in Orlando. They lost to who? They lose to Villanova and Oklahoma State. I believe that's right. Yeah. No, they lost to Florida State and Oklahoma State, and then I think bounced back maybe and beat Villanova. I'd have to go back and look exactly. Um, and then in league play, they had a home loss to Arkansas. And who's the other loss to in league play for LSU? I should know this off the top of my head, sorry. I know, man. What's wrong with you? Well, I just ripped off five of their four of the five. Um anyway, it, it's been a good so they lost to Florida lost State to Florida. and Oklahoma State. They lost to Houston in the non conference yeah. uh, back in December, and then their SEC losses are to Arkansas by one and to Florida by five. Right. I think Tennessee gets the win. Uh, I think that's a home environment that will be really, really good. I think Tennessee plays with a really high level of discipline. I get what you're saying on the whole not firing on all cylinders thing, but and I thought, hey, did they had some guys and and Borky? I know you watched it as well. That just made some massive shots in really, and and I'm not even talking about, I'm not even talking about Grant Williams and and with the game winner. I'm talking about uh, Lamonte Turner, who ripped off nine points in a row early in the second half to get him right back in the ball game. Uh, Jordan Bowden, who hit that contested, what, 18-footer with Terrence Davis's hand in his face to make it a one-point game with less than a minute to go. I just wonder if maybe they kind of came to life. Here, my question about Tennessee, though, is this. Are they going to defend? They got the same guys they had a year ago that were unbelievable defensively, and they have not played as well defensively this year. Will they lock Kentucky down tomorrow? Will they? I don't know. Can they? Yeah. And they've struggled lately, sure, and they still didn't shoot the three ball very well in Oxford at all. Their their percent was, what, below 20, right, if I'm remembering they were correctly? Three of 13. It did not shoot the three very well, but they don't take very many to begin with. I think. If you look at that game and what happened in Oxford, I, yes, it was a close game, and Ole Miss isn't the caliber of team that Tennessee is, but I don't look at the outcome of that game and think that was a continuation of their struggles. Ole Miss played their best basketball in that loss in what was an insane road environment, and coming out of there with a win, I don't think is an example of them struggling. I think that shows how good that team can really be. That was their, Ole Miss's best shot. And, and Tennessee didn't shoot the three ball very well and still came out of a, a, what was an insane atmosphere with a win. So I, I don't know if, if we can call that a continuation of their struggles with the way that game played out, their opponent, how their opponent played, and the atmosphere in which the game was played. So, so hey, Dad, living in the there-are-no-moral-victories cliche world that we live in, mm-hmm. is there a scenario where Ole Miss could come out of that game and know more about themselves and have gained more confidence in a loss than maybe in the win against Georgia last week? Yeah, maybe. 
because you went toe to toe with one of the best teams in the country and you had them on the ropes and you can even say look you know there were some controversial calls there at the end and if they had gone our way we we would have won that game so that's how you, yeah. if you that's how you want to look at it if you're Ole Miss yeah I think they can take something from from that win for sure as opposed to that that win over Georgia I don't know how much you can take out of that at all I was a sloppy not really just well hang on baby game. hang on yeah, yeah if, so if nothing else the way Bruce Stevens played. If he gives mm-hmm. that kind of effort, he didn't shoot the ball very well, and he took a couple of ill-advised three-point shots, ones that I, I bet he kind of got ripped on in the film room. But if he gives that kind of effort on the glass when they're not on offense, if he just rebounds and gives that kind of rebounding effort for the next few games, they're a tournament team and a team that can beat other tournament teams. Just that effort is all they need from Bruce, and so – he got to see what work, what him working the glass against a good team like that can do for the rest of his team. Because when the fives don't rebound, Ole Miss isn't coming anywhere close to a team like Tennessee. But when he gives that kind of effort, they can play with almost anybody. Last six games, Bruce um, Stevens is the leading rebounder on the Ole Miss team. He's averaging six rebounds a game over the last uh, over the last six. Yeah, and got and ten against on the team. that that Tennessee team. In which, if you'd have told me going into it, he got ten, I would have told you Ole Miss won the game because that's not something he's been able to do. Into that point, uh, part of it has looked to me like effort, and it was not the case against Tennessee. If he can just find channel whatever it took to get him in that mode against Tennessee this weekend against Kentucky, Missouri, and then into the SEC tournament. They're winning a bunch of games still. Hey, Dad, we got a uh, got a question on the C Spire text line. People care, and that's why they ask. Um, how's Hey Dad's weight loss bet with Cross coming? Need an update. And and for the record, this was not a weight loss situation for Hey Dad that was pre- precipitated. I would by call a it a bet. bet. It's not a bet. It was. It's uh. It's like a carrot. Yeah, it's a gift. You know, it's, it is a it's gift. A, yeah, it's an incentive. Incentive—that's a good word, Michael. Good job. That's why we yeah. have you on because you're very loquacious like that. Um, it's going all real well. I kind of liked carrot. You know, it's like a healthy snack. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Ate some carrots the other day, and I made a, I made a little stir fry. It was good. Uh, it's coming along. It's coming along. I signed up for a. Uh, uh, are you familiar with DDP Yoga? No. The silence says no. Okay, it's a it's a workout program that a lot of people have used, and uh, some friends of mine are using, and they're getting some good results. So I signed up for it, and uh, it'll be in my house hopefully by uh, Monday. Are you going to wear yoga pants? No, it's not. It's not like that kind of yoga. What kind of yoga is it? What kind of what other kind of yoga is there? Well, DDP is Diamond Dallas Page, a former three time WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Oh my goodness! Are you kidding me? No, and he has come up with a workout plan. And man, I'm telling you, like some of the results, like you can see online, you just have to like Google it. People have lost hundreds of pounds. Do you have like it's, it's, Jerry the King very, Lawler very, very and Jim popular. Ross talking you through the yoga plan? No, it's it's actually Diamond Dallas Page doing it. Do you have I'm a, do a little wow, research, I've got a man. video up. This looks good. And it, it's, is it all body weight stuff? Because that's what. Yeah. This, it's 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 designed to be sort of like low impact. So if you if you know, like I've been, we have a treadmill that a friend of ours gave us, and I've been mm-hmm. walking on that and it's killing my back, man, and it hurts. So this is something that's supposed to be a little bit more low impact, but you get great results if you, if you if you really commit to it, and that's what I'm gonna do.
Just you have to trust me on this one. I will. I'm not questioning anything you do. I'm proud of you. All right. Are we still in the uh, like 12 to 14 pounds down? We're down range? about 15 right now. It's awesome. Okay. Yeah, we're just we're just making it's progress. Just a process right now. What are you about five weeks in? Is that right? Yeah, that sounds right. Something like that. Yeah. Still laying off the Coca Colas? Yeah, as much as I can. I, I I sneak one every now and then. I just I can't get rid of them completely. Cheater. Cheater. I know. Good for you, man. Yeah. Pr- proud for you. Thank you, sir. I mean, there will be no leeway, though. If it's 99 pounds, <laughs> find your own suit, brother. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Five o'clock hour with you, Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. You know what it means. It means welcome to the weekend. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey on the road. He's making the drive to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Haydad will make the drive to Auburn, Alabama tomorrow. That means that Sports Talk Mississippi has got you covered on your basketball coverage this weekend. Uh, You can get the Rebel Report podcast. You can get Thunder and Lightning, both of those available online at supertalk.fm and also wherever you get your podcast whether it's from uh, from apple or from google play or stitcher or on spotify all the podcasts are available and you also have the brand new borky show is it the borky show or michael borky show uh the borky show is what the logo says so that's what we'll go with but yeah featuring michael borky yeah featuring me uh presented by me powered by me sponsored by well me because i paid for the stuff to do it um yeah i just finished week two so four or ten episodes in you're only about you, it, 1900 behind me so i'm getting there <laughs> you're getting there hey look man you can't birdie them all if you don't birdie the first that's right do uh ha- have you allowed yourself to look at the analytics yet working uh i do daily just to see one I- i'm my topics are varying so much. Like, hey, Dad and Joel have Mississippi State focus. Rippy and um, Colin. Colin Colin Brister have Ole Miss focus. Mine varies by day. This week I did uh, this NCAA story about how they're they're getting involved in the FBI investigation, taking or trying to take some of their evidence. I did. Uh, NFL quarterbacks, Kyler Murray's measurement. So, so mine's going to vary somewhat, and I'm looking at them every day to see if there's something that people will listen to more than others. I'm going to do an NBA show on Monday, and I'm just to see how many people actually listen to it. So, I'm I'm using that to kind of gauge where I go with it every day. If lots of people listen to it, are you going to come back and tell me that we need to talk about the NBA every day? I mean, you know that I think we should incorporate it somewhat, a little bit, not to be a feature thing, but no, I'm. I'll, I'll just take advantage of that market myself. There you go. And then I'm going to do hey, Game of Thrones recaps, and nobody's going to listen to those, but I will enjoy it. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're going to be able to entertain yourself there. You might have lots of people that are into that. I think so. I mean, I, I did a Periscope during last year's uh, – well, last season. It was a year and a half ago. And got like three or four thousand people to watch it, so that was something. 
You never know what people are going to be interested in, man. Just just do your thing, and and if they like it, they'll they'll tell. I always tell people, if you like it, tell your friends. If you don't like it, tell your enemies. Hey, all day today, Super Talk Mississippi has been celebrating Mississippi Reads. Our goal is to get every child in every community across Mississippi to celebrate reading. You're hearing and have heard throughout the day from authors and literacy advocates. As they tell you how important reading is to the future of our state, tomorrow is Read Across America Day and Read Across Mississippi Day, which is celebrated annually on March 2nd, which is the birthday of... Anyone? 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 Dr. Seuss! Oh. Oh, the places you'll go. I don't have kids yet. I, how, how am I supposed to know that? Also, John Bon Jovi. You know whose birthday today is? Luke Johnson. Chris, Luke Johnson, that's right. Chris Marr, the new linebacker coach at Mississippi State, who was hired officially today. It's his birthday. He's 30. He's 30, and he's an right. assistant coach at Mississippi State. Let me hear you. A one. A two. Harry Carey's birthday today. Hi. Richard, if you were going to be the best in your profession or have mad cow disease, which would you pick? That was really good. That was a pretty good one. That the problem with it is, is that is Will Ferrell doing Harry Carey. That's yes, not actually I know. That's, Harry. That's Carey. kind of everybody's deal. Yeah, we, we've sort of gone to that. Today is also you got me. Look at the now. March second's got some good birthdays. Ben if Roth you were the moon and made out of cheese, made out of spare ribs. Would you eat yourself? <laughs> would you eat yourself? I like spare ribs. I'd eat seconds. <laughs> March March second is a good birthday day. Got some top top names here. Yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. Hey, right now it's time for the college football fix. Let's do that. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. We have just wrapped up truck month, but don't forget you've got great deals going on at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Go test drive the F-150 today. Best-selling truck in America for 40 Three straight years. You test drive one, you're going to want to buy one. All right, Borky, so um, shockingly, you don't like something uh, with regard to rules changes. This is not necessarily like just the NCAA. No, it's uh, this the, is the rules the committee. college football rules committee, part of under the umbrella, under the auspices of the National Collegiate Athletics Association. So what rule changes are we looking at? So here are their propositions. I guess another committee will come together and decide whether or not to vote on these to implement the changes, but the committee, which is chaired uh, by David And, and Shaw, oh, by the way, after that, we'll put together a committee to set up the next committee meeting. Right, and then we've got to have the committee that watches the committee meeting and then comes together and yes, makes okay, a decision from on. there. Uh, but David Shaw, the head coach at Stanford, is the chairman of this committee that – proposes these rules to get changed. So, I mean, this isn't just some group of people just throwing stuff against the wall. This is a, a collection of people that actually gets things done. This will be taken seriously and into real consideration. Uh, multiple layers, targeting being one of them. By the way, my level of respect for this committee went up because David Shaw's on it. Yeah, until you hear about the rule changes that they proposed. Targeting, uh, they are proposing that on your second targeting penalty for the season, your second targeting penalty results in a full game suspension for the next game. Hooey. 
Uh, I mean, if you get a targeting penalty in the second half of a game, you're already suspended for the first half of the next game anyway, so they're just adding an extra half. Yeah, but that's your second targeting for the season. So if you get a targeting in week one, and then you get a targeting in week 11, you miss rivalry weekend. Well, I, I would I be like more that. on board with this rule if they were – we've talked about before having like the degrees of targeting. Yeah. If, they, if, they, okay. if that were happening, if you had two, what they called a flagrant targeting or whatever, for lack of a better word, that if, I would If you had targeting one and targeting two, I would be yeah. okay with a full game suspension for your second targeting two. I, I, I agree. Sure. Uh, they need to add that layer. The, the next thing involving targeting, they have two propositions. The other one would be if the call stands. So if there's not indisputable video evidence to call a targeting, usually they would just say, the call stands, and you would keep 15 yards. If it's not indisputable, they pick the flag up. I like that addition. I do, too. So no option for letting the call on the field stand during a targeting review. Right. It has if you to take be away targeting, you're also taking away the personal foul? The 15-yard penalty. So they, they go to review, right? But there there are times yeah. where in review, if they say two different things, they the call either stands or it's confirmed or overturned. If they the, the language, if there's not indisputable video evidence to confirm targeting, if it's marginal, they'll pick up the flag. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah. Okay. That's a good okay. rule. Common sense prevailing. Who would have guessed? Yeah, that one makes sense to me. The next one is a proposition involving overtime, which is a joke. The committee proposed a just a small tweak to the overtime rules. If a game reaches a fifth overtime, which is something that doesn't happen very often, teams would instead run alternating two-point plays. Instead of starting the drive at the opponent's 25-yard line, they would just go for two back and forth until somebody won the game. The whole that point don't of going make for no sense. Yeah, going for two, it's it's a conversion after, it's like the point after touchdown, right? The touchdown has to occur first. These aren't two-point conversions. They're just touchdowns. That, you, you cannot determine the winner of a football game by fundamentally changing the way the game is played. Why don't we you just say, play rock, paper, scissors for it? We're going to run five overtimes, and then instead of going to a sixth overtime with the rules the same way, now we're just going to start spotting the ball at the three-yard line to see how long we can go until somebody doesn't score on this play. I hate that. That's it, a bad, bad rule. And there. finally, this, this one I hate the most, blindside blocks. So you can't blindside block anybody, even if you hit them in the chest with perfect form. If you forcibly, this is just a proposition, but if you forcibly hit somebody from the blind side in a blindside block, it would be a penalty. That's not no. football. No. Head on a swivel, man. It's got to be that way. Man, I go all the way back to high school football. and pe- I mean, yeah, in practice, people used to love it when we called it a crack, crack back, back block. the heck out of people, man, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Taking that away altogether, at least proposed taking it away. More coming up. Well, something you're certainly going to see when you watch Sports Center or MLB Network or something along those lines. 
a uh, story that has happened in San Francisco. Jeff Passan at ESPN just put this on Twitter a few minutes ago. San Francisco Giants CEO Larry Bayer was involved in a physical altercation with his wife at a public park earlier today. TMZ has the video. And we've got um, a couple of statements. So the timeline is this. Um, Bear spoke with the San Francisco Chronicle saying, my wife and I had an unfortunate public argument related to a family member, and she had an injured foot and fell off her chair in the course of the argument. The matter is resolved. It was a squabble over a cell phone. Obviously, it's embarrassing. Police are currently interviewing witnesses, including the person who shot the video and are investigating the incident, and MLB has said they are beginning to gather facts and will have no further comment. I'll tell you, the video looks bad, but this is not a guy that was, like, hitting his wife. He was trying to take a cell phone away from her, and she lost her balance on a chair and fell off of it. He says she has an injury to her foot also that caused her to lose her balance. So anyway, just giving you a heads up, you're going to see that. Uh, has nothing to do with Bryce Harper not signing with the San Francisco Giants. And, hey, Dad, this doesn't mean that they will or will not win the pennant this year. Uh, it has no no effect on that. But not a good look for uh, for Larry Bear. And my, my guess is you know, something about that that uh, statement of his doesn't hold a whole lot of water for me. So I, I, expect it to, uh, I expect the investigation to show probably a little bit more. Have you watched the, um, have you watched the video? I have not had a chance. It came out like right after we went on air, and I just haven't had a chance to like sit down and digest it yet. But that said, not really sure I want to watch it. You know, to be totally honest with you, but it, it but it's not. I mean, it's not bad. It, mm-hmm. it it's not like they're. I mean, they're. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that, a, but at the same time, it, it's just not. It's just not going to be. I'm, I'm going to have trouble finding justification for for anything, from what I'm reading anyway. Yeah. Tyler says, why would she scream, help, help? Yeah, I, I yeah. don't know about that. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying the look is good. It's certainly not a good look. Um, and I'd like to think that I would not try to physically rip a phone away from my wife to the point of knocking her out of a chair and then just walking away while she was lying on the ground also, to the point of right. her screaming, help, help, in a public place. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That is uh, certainly a good point. Um, glad to have you along for the ride this afternoon. You can uh, you can be part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Fire customer inspired. Let's check in with uh, Mississippi State. Four four now in the top of the eighth inning. Bulldogs and Sam Houston State. Give me an my my live stats feed has completely died. Hey, Dad, give me an update. How did we get here? Uh, Sam Houston State took the lead in the I guess that's the in the sixth. They had a, had a little two out rally and got a couple of runs in, and then Mississippi State answered immediately uh, with a uh, a rally of their own. Hayden Jones started it off with a double, uh, Mangum with an RBI single, Tanner Allen an RBI sack fly. And now we're tied uh, 4-4. Bulldogs just changed pitchers. Tristan Barlow on the mound for uh, Mississippi State. Okay. Pretty good game. Been yeah. An entertaining game uh, so far this afternoon. Yeah, so far so good. We'll see. You know, we think we knew this was going to be a, a tournament that the Mississippi State was going to have to you know, play really well to, to get some wins in, and so far we're seeing that. 
Yeah, and and certainly the biggest test of the the season. Uh, not to take anything away from Southern Miss at all, but that was a a home series for Mississippi State. This is going on the road, and you know different type teams. And Southern Miss is struggling to hit the baseball right now. You do have some finals so far in the SEC. Arkansas playing a doubleheader today against Stony Brook. They won Game One of the series, three to one. Uh, Tennessee stayed undefeated on the year. They are now 10-0 and with a 7-2 to win over Louisiana Monroe. Canisius is leading Kentucky 2-1. to Arkansas and Stony Brook are in the second game. Arkansas is leading that one 3-2. Vanderbilt with an early lead 1-0 over Dayton. Games that are coming up tonight, South Carolina at number 23, Clemson. Georgia is at Georgia Southern. Winthrop is at Florida. Cincinnati at Auburn, Missouri. At uh, Central Arkansas, Alabama down at Mobile taking on South Alabama. Long Beach State is at Ole Miss. LSU and Texas are hooking up in a top 25 matchup in Austin. And if you happen to have the Longhorn Network, you can uh, you can watch that tonight. So LSU and Texas on the Longhorn Network starting at 6.30 Central Time. Baylor and Texas A&M, that's a fun one, are playing in Houston at the uh, the Shriners College Classic um, there at Minute Maid Park in uh, Houston. That game's at seven o'clock tonight. Pretty good slate of games. Pretty good weekend. Uh, hey, Dad, kind of across the uh, the league. Yeah. And and this yeah. is some of what we talked about yesterday. In that week three is kind of the weekend that you get that. Yeah. You start getting some people leave on these tournaments. You get some of these big series at home, and yeah, and there, and you know, I like it. I mean. We get we get these great intersectional matchups in baseball. We get them in, in basketball. I, I, will we ever get them, you know, across the board in football? I think you're getting a little bit better at that. You got some big big games coming up this year, obviously, but you know, I don't know. It just I, I, and I get why it's different because you know one loss in baseball doesn't sink your season versus one loss in football might. But I, I really do wish we could get more games like you know like we're seeing this weekend in the big sport. Um, draft stuff is going to be coming hot and heavy for the next month and a half. Uh, right now, the focus is on Indianapolis for the uh, the NFL scouting combine, and there are a ton of guys from Mississippi, from Mississippi State and Ole Miss, who are there. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that there's anywhere, hey Dad, that you can go like to a database and find exactly the numbers of kids from a single state or two schools in a single state. Right. Hard for me to believe there would be a year where you could find as many players combined from Mississippi State and Ole Miss as you've got in Indianapolis this year. No, I know state's participants this year were, was a record, and I would imagine Ole Miss's is probably pretty close to it. And the guys that are up there are doing a pretty good job. I know that uh, Elton Jenkins was one of the leaders in the bench press for the uh, the offensive lineman. He had 29 reps. Uh, Dion Calhoun Ran a, a at three hundred and I think three hundred and fifteen pounds. Ran a five oh eight forty. So he he looked good in the forty yard dash. And then of course, I mean, I'm, should we be surprised by this number? DK Metcalf throwing up twenty seven reps at two twenty five as a wide receiver. It's a record. We it's shouldn't, we shouldn't be surprised. Time. But breaking the record by three is still just I. Who held the record? Do we know? It was a guy last year who I, whose name I've never heard of before. Okay. I mean, gosh, 20, 27 reps at two twenty five. Like I said, Cal, like Elton Jenkins, they said he did well throwing two, two, you know, throwing twenty nine up. He's an offensive lineman. 
And I'm, I'm really other, interested to see how Metcalf looks running routes and everything. Can he be fluid as big as he is? He's pretty smooth running. Yeah, but, I mean, was he ripped like this during the season? He weighed about 10, 15 pounds more than he does right now. Okay. All right, we'll see. What was he at, 227 yesterday in the weigh-in? Is that right? Yeah, 228, I think. Okay. So so basically, 6'4", 230. I, I mean, I agree with you. Hey, Dad, I mean, it, it, it's such a stretch for me to even be able to imagine what it would feel like to be that muscular. But when you look at him, you, you can't help but look at him and think, it's like everything looks tight and stiff. And yeah. is it possible to be fluid and smooth? But I think you're just dealing with somebody who is an abnormal physical freak of nature. Yeah. I mean, to, to be 6'4", 230 pounds with sub-2% body fat, as strong as he is, as fast as he is, I mean, maybe there's a drawback somewhere. We just haven't seen it yet. He's not good at chess. Well, maybe not. That's his one drawback. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, he, I mean, and that's why he's, even the, despite the fact that he only has had one full season of play in college, he is shot up to the, basically being the number one wide receiver on these draft boards over a guy like A.J. Brown who has a lot of physical skills and has a ton of production, but has the he's production, not the right. physical freak that D.K. Metcalf is. Let me, let me do a jump cut here. This is from Tyler and Brandon on the C Spire text line. It's, uh, it's coined a mildly ridiculous exercise, but why not? Bryce Harper's um, war from 2016 to 2018 on average was 7.5. That war wins against replacement. Right. And he got a $330 million contract. In the exact same time period... Mike Trout's war, 20, uh, 2016 to 2018, was 27.3. If Trout's next contract were to be valued at just the equivalent in dollars per war over the last three years, he would get a $1.2 billion contract. So the Yankees then, huh? <laughs> I mean, they'd have to like give him 30% of the franchise. <laughs> More coming up in the Renaissance Make Studio.
Super Talk Mississippi media production.